Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 50 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week I'm having a look at the dark art of hefting beehives and offering up some pointers to help you understand exactly what you're dealing with. Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Firstly, today I wanted to say a big hello to Beth over in Pennsylvania in the States, listening to my podcast on Spotify while studying for her nursing degree. Keep studying hard, Beth, and it will all be worth it in the end. Oh, and don't forget to keep tuning into the podcast. Today is the 1st of February. Well, actually, it's the 29th of January, but the first release of this episode is on the 1st of February, if you get what I mean. That means we're just weeks away from a possible start to the new season and our first inspections. Now, I'm not going to suggest that you leap into your hives in February, and I'm also not suggesting that you don't. But from February onwards, everything is so weather-dependent. We've got snow outside at the moment. If we get a warm spring-like day, then go ahead and have a quick look. If you've not listened to last week's podcast, that's podcast number 49, check it out because that one explains what to do during your first inspections of the season. There are things to be getting on with, and it won't harm if you go around hefting each hive just to check up on them. That said, hefting needs some explanation because if you're not experienced with it, you may draw the wrong conclusions from it and lose colonies. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I know that sounds rather dramatic, but and I'm not trying to scare anyone. So let me just explain. If you only have a few colonies, it's quite possible you can remember the general feel of each colony as you heft them through the winter. Which reminds me, if you haven't hefted any of your colonies at all over the winter, it might not be of much help for you to start now. You see, what you're looking for is a comparison between the last time you hefted and this time. Also, a comparison between colonies within the apiary is helpful. So, if you do start now, you're going to be checking between colonies rather than that colony with the last time that you hefted it. But this is where inexperience can give you false impressions. Let's imagine that I have an apiary with 10 beehives in it, which I do happen to have, and they're all the same hive type, commercials. I've been hefting them regularly throughout the winter so far, every other week since the beginning of December. You can see that I'm keen. So far, they've all appeared to be around the same weight, not overly heavy, but not what you might call light. This time, however, things have changed. Six of the colonies all appear to have about the same weight. One appears extremely light by comparison, and three feel quite heavy. Let's start with the light one. Remember, if you're going to remove the crime board, always have your bee suit on and smoker lit and at the ready. You might never need them, but one day when you don't do this, it'll be the one day that the colony gets grumpy and chases you down the garden path. So, the light colony. When I look inside, I find a reasonably large cluster alive and well. I would do no more than pop a large pack of fondant onto the holes in the crime board and leave them to it. I have fondant in one kilogram packages, so I'd place two of those packs on this colony. It appears they're fine and healthy and just a bit light on stools. I close them up and check again on them the following week. The first of the heavy hives has a smaller cluster of bees than the one I just looked at. 
However, checking on the frame next to the cluster, I find that it's full of liquid food stores and the bees have been using it. This colony appears to be fine. Just a frugal colony that doesn't use as much of their stores as other colonies. I can close them up without doing anything to them. They've plenty of food stores and as long as the weather holds, they should be fine. The second hive has a smaller cluster, still alive but tight up against the side wall of the hive. Checking the frame nearest the cluster, there's very little food in it, apart from a large band of solid ivy honey that's crystallised in the cells. Looking at other frames in the box, there appears to be plenty of liquid honey for them, but the bees just don't seem to be able to move over to it, or don't want to move over to it. This appears to be the start of isolation starvation, and we've caught them just in time. Isolation starvation is pretty common. A cluster of bees finds itself trapped away from food stores, and for me, I find it's normally because they can't bridge across solid stores of ivy. We get a lot of ivy honey here in Norfolk, and they get stuck in a spell of cold weather. It could also be that the bees have eaten their way through a couple of the central frames, moved the cluster towards the warm side of the hive where the sun has started to warm it up, but in doing so, they've left an empty void with no food. As they move to the side of the box and eat the stores they find there, they become trapped in a desert of empty cells. You can easily spot a colony that's died out due to starvation isolation. It's a sad sight because it's usually the beekeeper's fault. Lots of workers with their heads buried in the bottom of cells trying to find the last drop of food. So that's the second heavy colony. Easily fixed. Move a frame of liquid food across to the warm side of the box. Open a few cell cappings to release the honey and do the same on the other side of the brood nest. I do that as quickly as I can and shut them back down trying to keep the warmth in as much as I possibly can and certainly not breaking open the cluster. The third heavy hive is dead. I can't tell why until I check my records and find that this was quite a small nucleus colony that I wanted to try to get through the winter, but had reservations about their size. Two things here. Keeping good records throughout the season will help you look back and check up on situations to try to find an answer for something that may have happened. A bit of detective work, if you like. The second thing, and I'm as guilty as many beginner beekeepers at this, and that's trying to get colonies that are far too small through the winter, instead of hiving them with another medium or small colony and giving them both a chance of survival. Uniting colonies in the autumn will save you from this distressing sight in the spring. I am getting better, but every now and then I think I can make it work and inevitably the results are the same. Another dead colony and another box that I have to clean out and start over with. Having said that they were too small a colony, maybe they didn't die out because they were too small. Maybe it was another reason. Oh well, I'll come back in a week or two and clear it out, ready to use with another colony. Can you all hear the alarm bells ringing? What if the weather changes and becomes warmer suddenly? The forecasters can get it wrong, and we've had a couple of mild days. If we do, colonies will break cluster, and bees will head out on cleansing flights and start to forage for resources, water, pollen, and, and that kind of thing. It's a sure bet that other colonies in this apiary will find the dead-out colony, and I didn't block up the entrance. So bees from every colony in the apiary will descend in a frenzy to rob out this hive of all of its stores. You could be forgiven for thinking that's a good thing. The colony dies of starvation, there's lots of food, and now it's an empty hive 
and it's such a shame to waste it. The other colonies could benefit from that food. But what if the colony died of something other than starvation? What if it was American fowl brood or European fowl brood? Perhaps Nosema was a contributory factor. A colony full of Varroa mites, maybe. Whatever caused the death of that colony could now be spread throughout your apiary. And if it was a fowl brood disease, instead of having one colony infected, you could now be looking at your entire apiary being full of the disease. Not to chance, I hear you say. Just doesn't happen like that. Well, during my time as a seasonal bee inspector, I saw with my own eyes exactly that. Apiaries closed down over winter with seemingly healthy colonies, suddenly in spring, a couple of dead colonies and every other hive struck down with European fowl brood. The beekeeper hadn't checked any of the colonies over winter, saw some flying bees in the hives, but didn't check the hives with no flying bees. The dead colonies had been robbed out and the disease transmitted to every other colony in the apiary. So if you'll excuse the pun, don't fall foul of these diseases and always close the entrance to a dead colony if you can't immediately take it away and deal with it. Wow, that got a bit heavy. Sorry about that. Uh, But I just wanted to make sure that you all have a great start to the new season and not have to begin that season by calling in the bee inspector. It's always a distressing thing. Anyway, back to our apiary. The dead colony has been blocked up and removed to be cleaned, taken away from the site. So now it has nine live colonies and spring is almost here. Having treated all of my colonies for Varroa with the oxalic acid sublimation, I normally leave in the bottom boards for about a week or so and then remove them to see if I've had a drop at all. We had an interesting drop rate from one of our colonies in particular in the past couple of weeks. I've produced a video to show what we encountered, so look out for that on Patreon and later on YouTube. The boards stay out from that point onwards as it helps with the airflow around the colony. Condensation can be a problem. I've found that on some of the poly hives you can see it quite clearly. Obviously the water doesn't soak into the poly material like it does with wooden hives, but in all honesty, by the time I get round to my spring clean routine, and that starts normally in March, most of the signs of condensation have gone. Once all the colonies are checked, it's time to turn our attention to making up frames. I've got several hundred brood and super frames already made up, they just need wax putting in them. I like to leave this as late as possible so that the wax doesn't dry out too much. Bees love fresh foundation, especially when there's a nectar flow on. If you have old wax, don't despair. Warming it gently with a naked flame releases the oils held within and the bees will be straight on it. There are other jobs to be thinking about, but I'll leave that until next week. I think I've given you quite enough to be going on with. Well, I hope your hefting goes well and that your colonies are all thriving and you're all set for the spring. Make sure that you're well prepared for the coming season and I'm sure everything will work out fantastically well for you, as long as the weather plays ball, of course. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast. I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Yeah.